I like winning. I right. I go run to Chicago to qualify for the trials. I run two forty. That's awesome. What was I? I don't know. Thirty seventh place. I go to the marathon project. Only fifty people allowed in. Top fifty in the U.S. That's awesome. An elite race. It was on TV. I was like forty third place. I like to win. The Woodlands is an eight hour drive. I got a shot at it. You get to break that tape. That's fun. And that's the whole sort of mentality right now is um, I have way more fun training to run a race I'm trying to win than when I'm training to run a race where I'm trying to PR. Welcome to the Marathon Running Podcast. I'm excited to have my first repeat guest, Mikhail Montgomery on the show today. She was here for episode nine back in January, so it would probably make sense to listen to that one first since this interview is going to be an update to a lot of what we talked about back then. But to give some brief context, Mikhail is a professor and research scientist at Oklahoma State University. Her PhD is in nutritional sciences, and she's a registered dietitian. She runs on the side, you could say, uh, at 36 years old, but she's placed 30th at the Olympic Trials Marathon in February 2020 with a time of 2.38.20, which at the time was her personal best. Since then, she's run two more marathons, each one faster than the last. She ran 2.34.36 at the Marathon Project in December 2020. Then, since we last spoke, uh, she ran what would have been just under 2.32 at the Woodlands Marathon in Texas uh, just this past March, but that result wasn't officially counted uh, there was a snafu on the course, so we'll get to what happened there. Uh, so let's do this. So the first thing I had on my list was the whole protein thing. Yeah, that's a great one. So last time we talked, I think it was late January. Mm-hmm. And I was just had, getting started. You had just corrected what the protein, I don't know if I'd call it a deficiency, but... No, I mean, it was adequate for a, uh, you know, average individual, Uh, just 90 miles a week isn't an average individual. So um, not for me. I feel like that played out well, right? So that was January. Uh, That is literally the only thing I changed about my training, training, but I think diet is a huge part of training, obviously. (laughs) Um, And from January to March and had what would have been an enormous PR (laughs) at Mm -hmm. the Woodlands. Um, doing nothing more than adding an appropriate amount of protein to my diet. So obviously that was huge. So so I kind of had just some things that I thought maybe worth sharing um, about that. I kind of tweeted a little bit about sort of tips I did to, to swap out like Kodiak brand oatmeal for Quaker brand oatmeal, because you get 12 more grams of protein and uh, Kodiak pancakes 
not that I'm trying to get sponsored by Kodiak or anything. They just happen to make high, high protein stuff that they sell at my local supermarket from Eggos, um, Greek yogurt from regular yogurt, um, traded out, um, beans in my salad versus wheat thins as a side kind of just, just little swaps that made a big, that, that can really add up. One thing that's, interesting and and i said this before i i realized that deficiency for lack of a better word um in november about four or five weeks before the marathon project and opted not to change my diet that close to a big event i'm really happy i i did that obviously it's made an improvement but worth noting is that my stomach did not adjust stomach colon didn't adjust to that high protein diet nearly as fast as my muscles seemed to Mm. so like by march right i was running faster feeling good felt like i was handling more um definitely changed bathroom regularity um and that's an important thing for a runner right um if i get up at 5 30 every morning i want to go to the bathroom at 5 15 right um and it that that really changed the game um it took i'm about three four months in and i just now feel like my stomach is comfortable with this diet so i think it's important to make sure you're getting what you need but i think making those slow changes and nothing drastic even a month out from a big event i think would have been more done more harm than good so so i'm happy i waited would you say that it's mostly been these little swaps or are you adding new calories overall? I am not. Yeah. So that's a, that's another important thing. Um, right. Uh, and that was really the, the challenge for me. Um, I hate, I hate putting numbers on it, but you, you, I can see myself at the start line and uh, I'm 10 pounds plus most marathon runners. That's fine. I'm very muscular. <laughs> look, I feel like I look great. I'm happy with that, but I'm not trying to get any bigger. Um, so I had to make some really conscious just decisions about what those swaps looked like. You know, so luckily I would look at that at Ego or sorry, Quaker Oatmeals, 160 calories, Kodiak's 190. So that wasn't a huge change. I was able to make that pretty comfortably. Um, some of the things were sort of easier, like um like I, I used to just eat, I freak, I really like wheat thins, <laughs> just like them, crackers, anything salty, right, is great. Um, but swapped out, they have like three grams of protein. Instead, I added like one of those like tuna pouches, different flavors of like half the calories, 20 grams of protein. So sometimes it was kind of an easier switch in doing that. Uh, Greek yogurt versus sort of Yoplait yogurt generic is pretty similar. But obviously I have a PhD in nutrition. So that's just not intuitive for everybody to sort of make those swaps. The other thing I was really concerned about, again, with the regularity in my old age was fiber. If I'm losing all the carbs, where's my fiber going to come from? So um, I, I tend to, I like cut, I like call it cutting, but like lots of times I sort of cut my night meat with beans. It's cheaper you still get the fiber, you get like, you know, take like a pound of hamburger meat, but you add a can of beans to it. And now you got 
quite a few more meals to it, plus the fiber still, plus the fruit protein. So those were kind of little things I did. But yeah, I was pretty, I, I calculated the calories and made sure that I was getting equal calories, more protein for sure. Okay, let's stick on food for a second. I'll just knock out all my food mm-hmm. questions here all at once. So is the oatmeal like you're on a, if you happen to eat before a workout on a Saturday or something, or especially like race day, is that oatmeal your pre-race meal? That's a great question. And you asked me something about, I had in my notes the plan about, you know, what I'm doing the few days before four races. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd say one thing that I have, it's hard because humans are creatures of habit and I am for sure a creature of habit. But one thing I've worked really hard on is to not have the meal I have to have before a race. Like, oh, I can only eat oatmeal before I run. Otherwise, X, Y, Z, you know, trauma happens. So I actually try to not have that go to if I'll be honest sometimes I'm lazy about it so if I am being lazy about it I it's a cliff bar and a banana for me um because I think oatmeal with water is gross and it's hard to keep milk cold <laughs> you know it's hard to travel with milk and so I pick things that I can travel with um but I really um work I I really make conscious decisions to not have like a meal that I have to have, you know, calories might overall be the same macro carbs, the protein might overall be the same, but I really try to not have like, this is the meal I have to have or my whole workout screwed up. But just in general, like if you're staying at a hotel the night before a marathon, you're getting up at four o'clock, whatever it is. I mean, it's not like you're going to go somewhere. I mean, you got to have something ready to eat. Like what do you usually, what do you do in a hotel usually? Um, yeah, so it, I, I do put a decent bit of thought into what's around the hotel. How long am I going to, am I going to have time to hit a grocery store before? Um, if so, you know, the, the sort of plans change. Like if I can go to a grocery store before, like when I ran Chicago, the last time I ran Chicago, which was the last time there was a Chicago marathon, I checked the map around my hotel. It turned out there was a Whole Foods, like just down the street. So I didn't, pa- I didn't really travel with anything, but usually, yeah, I'll pack things that I know I can travel with cliff bars, bananas, things in their own peel. Right. Um, and those sorts of things. And I, and I plan that at, um, pretty well in advance. Again, my cliff bars, it's just too easy. <laughs> it's got a really quite good carb to protein ratio. It's right there at four to one. And digest pretty good they go they last forever but yeah I'll I'll look around and see I like oatmeal before um I think I mentioned for the the Olympic trials they had that weird race time at 1 p.m which meant I was gonna have to have breakfast and lunch I practiced breakfast and lunch every Saturday and ran at 1 p.m every Saturday until I knew exactly what my stomach could tolerate (laughs) on a 1 p.m all-out effort (laughs) Um, so I think that that's yeah. super important, but travel is hard too, because you never know. I mean, um, you don't know what's within walking distance and around and are you going to get that? And so I think it's important too, to not be so rigid. Like I have to eat spaghetti, you know, the pasta carbonara from Olive Garden. I don't even like, 
I don't want to miss Olive Garden. I don't actually just don't like pasta that much. Uh, if I had my choice, I would eat pancakes and eggs the night before every every time if that was an option. Uh, all right, so I get it. You you don't want to you know commit yourself to a meal you have to have, but mm-hmm. and it sounds like your fallback is cliff bar and banana or something like mm-hmm. that. But if, if you have a whole foods nearby or a grocery store, if you have an option to buy whatever you want and you're staying at a hotel, what's going to be your go-to, like, what would you choose? What would be your ideal that? Yeah. And again, it's not really ideal because you're going to have to like prepare it in a hotel room or something like that. But is right. it just the either cliff bar banana or uh, oatmeal or is there any other no, things I mean, you've really had that work? Those are simple, right? Those are just easy and those are things I eat regularly and they digest well. Well, um one thing that I try to I shoot for, so if I just say generically, I shoot for about 400 calories. At least 400 calories. When um at least 2 hours before. Okay. That's just what my stomach can. I can't. If you get closer to two, the, so if I can do it two hours before, 400 calories, maybe a little more. Um, if it's shorter than that, my stomach just doesn't tolerate it. To be honest, mm-hmm. I'm working on that. That That's, I'll tell you, like going into grandma's, I'll just tell you that right now. Um, the race is at 745. That's not super late, super early or anything, but doable to have breakfast before. Um, so when, I have actually been working i've been running more in the afternoons to try to train my stomach to run with food in it um and i'll tell you it's not going particularly well uh it's fine for Mm. easy runs but i've been having doozy stomach issues on hard workout Mm. days um so my, my whole idea for grandma's was that i wanted to have um a more substantial breakfast the reason for that I'll say is um, I keep having weird flub ups with nutrition during the races. Right. Um, And so obviously the more you can start with, then the more in the bank, the more farther you can go. So I think that's important. So that's what I've, I've really been practicing on that, but stomach doesn't like food and hard efforts. So that's a problem (laughs) and I'm working on it. Um. But yeah, so, I, I shoot for about 400 calories at least two hours before. Otherwise, it's got to be, I'm going to have to try to Gatorade, goo, whatever during, and I'm not great at that either. So do you have a specific product that you want to try to take during the marathon, during grandma's? Nope. <laughs> so you'll, if you feel like you need something during the race, you'll just take whatever's at an aid station? Pretty much. Yeah. Uh, I'll, uh, so the Woodlands? In, in what turned out to be a lot of wistful disasters at that race. Um, mm-hmm. They had elite elite bottle stations. And so I gave them my my four bottles that I actually prepared in advance. I traveled with them this time. So I'm growing up in that regard. And I had taped a uh, gel to one of the bottles at the mile point I wanted. And then I kept one with me to take to the start. And I got to the start line and... I didn't have my gel. And I was like, oh, that's unfortunate. I'm down to one gel now. It's fine. There's Gatorade out on the course and my bottles. And I got to the mile marker where my bottle was that was supposed to have my gel and it didn't have a gel on it. So I ran 26 oh. miles on just Gatorade Oof. and a cliff bar. 
So that was unfortunate. So you did still have four bottles of Gatorade out on the course, mm-hmm. just with no. And how much Gatorade was in each bottle? Mm, you know, though, <laughs> it's good. I didn't count it out because, but maybe people are familiar with it. I have a two-year-old. She likes those little, little like bug juice type things that you can get at the supermarket. They called they're like little juice bottles. Mm-hmm. I don't know, maybe yeah, yeah. six ounce. Yeah. Uh, it was those because <laughs> I'm too cheap to buy something I'm going to throw away. Okay. These right. things are perfect. They're tiny. They fit in the palm of your hand. You can wash them. Yeah. I love them. Yeah. You can <laughs> actually drink out of them while yeah, you're running. Drink out of it. Okay. Hold it. So yeah, I had like four of those half full of Gatorade. So okay. probably, I probably had about 16 ounces of Gatorade. And that worked fine for you. Um, I mean, I ran super well. <laughs> so like you, you didn't feel like you were running out of glycogen at the end of the race or anything. Mm, I weirdly didn't. I, I don't know what happened that day. I'm trying to recreate it. <laughs> um, I felt I just felt good. I felt good the whole way. I kept telling myself, you know, just one, just run one more under six minutes. Just one run more under six minutes. At mile twenty one, I dropped to five thirty six. Yeah, all right, just one more under six minutes, and I just just kept going. And I don't know. I'm trying. I went back in my notes. I thank goodness I'm a meticulous note taker, so I know exactly what I did in the lead up to that to try to recreate. But yeah. Um. So yeah, I think you know a lot of that too is we talked a little bit about glycogen depleted training versus not, mm-hmm. and um, and that glycogen when it runs out, the whole thing about glycogen running out is Obviously, the body prefers carbohydrates, and when oxygen is limiting, like when you're running fast in a marathon, it can pretty much only use carbohydrates, but um, we have more than enough body fat. Even the runner folks, even the ones thinner than me, have more than enough body fat to get them through the line. So if your VO2 max is high enough and you can stay calm, you can burn fat mm-hmm. <laughs> to get you to the end. I think I was right. able to just keep it in there, stay in check. I was never out of my comfort zone to the point mm-hmm. where I think I had to just be all car burning. I think I was able to hang into body fat reserves. And yeah, I mean, I was depleted at the end, but <laughs> I never got uncomfortable. This is like this exact question is kind of the whole thing that got me started with this podcast is the whole fat burning. Mm-hmm. concept and it's funny because different people have very different opinions on this a couple of people i've talked to like nate jenkins who was seventh at the olympic trials in 2007 and um had a dietitian on a couple episodes ago bob sebahar so those are two examples i didn't listen to it but i know his name you know that yeah so they're both they are both big believers in you can teach your body to burn fats at higher and higher intensities. Like that's something you can, your body can learn to do. Learn is a strong word, but you can fitness your way. You can fitness yourself no. to burn fat at a higher level. Okay. So that's I mean, an interesting, that's an interesting I'll, distinction. The higher your VO2 max is, the mm-hmm. long, the higher intensity you can burn fat. So yeah, yours, but my VO2 max is 70 and yours is 60. I can go harder. 
you can go faster than me, yes, but relative to your VO2 max, can you go any faster? Like, you know what I mean? Like, could we, wouldn't... So if we're both running at 85% of our respective VO2 max... Right. No. That's... I mean, that's pretty hard science. Like, if I'm at 85% of my VO2 max and you're at 85% of your VO2 max, we can percent... could pull up a slide right now from my class and show you where your fuel's coming from. Muscle okay, so versus... <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that's the crossover point. You know, you have the crossover mm-hmm. point of like uh, at some First. point you start burning more carbs, right? And it's mm-hmm. and it is relative to like a percentage of your VO two max. Yeah, about eighty five percent of your VO two max is when carbs really reign supreme as far as providing energy. So, anyways, that's that's the question: is can you change those? Can you change the percentages and, you know? Uh, I mean, mostly by changing how high your VO2 max is. I would say, yeah, you could maybe flux it a little bit. I mean, there's going to be genetic variations between people. Um, I think the biggest way to change it is increase your VO2 max. Um, Right, so your VO2 max goes up. Every other relative pace up goes up with it. Your mm-hmm. half marathon and pace, your ability your to burn. Pace go up yeah, yeah. yeah, okay, I get what you're saying. So 85% of VO2 max, 85% of VO2 max. And can you get it to where you're at 90%? I have not I have not seen that data, but I'm happy to look into it. I'd love to, actually. Yeah. Anyways, that was a little <laughs> bit of a tangent. Um, mm-hmm. But it sounds like when you talk about your workouts where you wake up and you're not eating in the morning before you you do it and basically the whole thing about the flub ups with the fueling like you i think it's you're more not mentally able to deal with it right if you've spent every workout having two goos in x gatorade right and then you show up to the race and one's missing and the other one's not there you mentally panic you don't physically mm-hmm. panic and that's a huge staying calm in a race that's two and a half hours long is important because as soon as you Which, panic, your breath rate goes up, your heart becomes rate physical, goes up. right? Yeah. Yeah. So this is interesting though, because on the one hand, you're you're kind of very meticulous about your nutrition and, and the you know, getting your stomach prepared and like knowing what you can handle before race and stuff. But on the other hand, during the race, it doesn't sound like you train with much fuel or anything. It sounds like you kind of like fuel. No, which is a lot of people will say you got to train with exactly what you're going to use. So, you know, your stomach is not going to freak out when you take it and stuff like that, Mm -hmm. but you don't seem too worried about it. Um, yeah, I mean, I it's I go back and forth. I feel like I sound like a walking contradiction that nutrition is so important. And it is so important, and you got to practice. I'm going to practice eating this and this x hours before. Um, but as soon as one thing messes up, and something's gonna mess up, right? You're gonna miss a water stop, right? You're gonna the crowds are getting big. The first time, one of the first times that happened to me, the first time I went ran CIM California International, right? That's a great race. It's where everybody goes to get their OTQs, mm-hmm. right? I first time I ran that race, the pack that I was in because everybody was trying to qualify. This was in 2016. The pack was 50 to 60 girls deep. I missed the first four water stations. I 
could not physically get to it. That's going to happen in a race more than there are very few races. I can't. Maybe maybe the Shalane Flanagans of the world perfectly execute their nutrition plans during a race. And that's because she's Shalane Flanagan. And they literally had her. This is Shalane Flanagan's bottle. It's for her. You stay away from it. You know, like the McCall Montgomery's of the world. You drink what's coming out of the cup. If you miss the cup, that's your problem. <laughs> Which is most of us. So you got to expect the unexpected. I'm not going to become yeah. reliant on something that might not be there. Game day. Crazy. Right. No, that makes sense. It's So it's a good balance. I mean, you're you're controlling what you can control and what you know you'll be able to control before a race. Mm-hmm. But when it comes to the things that you know you can't control, you're a little more flexible on. Yeah. That's it's not a contradiction. It's a balance, I guess. Um, let's get back to our timeline. So mm-hmm. I talked to you in January, and anybody can go back and listen to that to get kind of basically your mm-hmm. life story up to that point. Mm-hmm. So then you're telling me, like, I've got big things in mind. Um, you know, meanwhile, you have a feature in Runner's World. Yeah, that was um, crazy. That was fun. That was after your March marathon, right? Mm-hmm. Well, the March almost marathon. Yeah. So, and I don't, I know you've kind of hashed that out a little bit on Twitter. I don't know if you, how much you want to beat that dead horse, I but really, I, I so. I don't beat it too much. It's a, it was the worst, best thing. Right. It's just, yeah, I had a 26 mile PR, unfortunately, not a 26.2 and it has been stricken from the records. So I'm not there, yeah. but good things came of it. Some confidence came from it. Man. And just to just in case someone listening doesn't know, lead cyclist took some of you off course and you got disqualified because you didn't run the whole distance. What right. what was the final distance you actually ran? Um, we were short by two hundred and seventy five meters. So a marathon okay. minus two hundred and seventy five meters. So kind of sucks. And what was your time or equi- like where where I were you at? Two th- 30 and some change. Um, so I did a math. I would have been right under 232, which would have been a mm. big PR. You know, By like two and a half or three minute minutes? PR, yeah. It's almost three minute PR. Yeah, it would have been an almost three minute PR. So late fall, you had figured out the protein thing, mm-hmm. but you didn't change it before um, Marathon Project in December. But do you yeah. think that was the main, or did, you might have just said that a few minutes ago? That was. That's the only thing I changed. As far yeah. As, I mean, I did. I trained, of course, the same. Um, and obviously, you had all the previous training before that. Previous, everything accumulating, builds, everything so. builds on itself. Also, you know, I will say, uh, you know, the marathon project I ran solo. You know, that was a race for the stars. They were had pacers, two twenty-two pacers, not two thirty-four pacers. So marathon project was basically a solo 234 time trial in the woodlands at least i had people to run with so that that's a huge huge mm. factor um so i don't want to just say protein alone knocked off three minutes but it, it had something helped. to do with it it was a factor having in racing having people to race with helped um so so that's always a huge thing 
Um, okay, so you have that marathon, you take like a few days off or something, and then you get right back into it? Two days off and right back into it. I think I hit 90 miles the next week. And at that point, you had already signed up or gotten into the elite field for grandmas, right? Yeah, as soon as they said they were actually having the race, I said I wanted I wanted in. I don't, it's just one of those, I don't even know, you know, back when, so I say this runner's world, I said that was a dream come true. It was like when I was a teenager, I got the physical copy of runner's world that you like were reading about Dina Castor winning the grandma's half marathon and who doesn't, well, what 13 year old runner didn't want to be Dina Castor in the, you know, late nineties, early two thousands. So, um, it's just one of those kind of things that was always on my bucket list and, it's a little bit of a travel, and this is why, again, why my train in my stomach to be ready for whatever. Getting from Stillwater, Oklahoma to Duluth, Minnesota mm. is a nightmare. I'm actually have to fly. I'm actually having to drive to Kansas to fly. So, jeez. Oh, yeah, I'm gonna have to. So, yeah, I, I want to do it, but so it was on the plan. I was ready for it. Um, yeah ready and excited to start training for it. it's just something that I've always for whatever reason just had in my mind that, that was the race I wanted to do more than like everybody's like Boston we joke all the time my friends talk, joke all the time about you know I'd be like I qualified for the Olympic trials and some Joe Schmo on the streets can be like but have you ever qualified for Boston <laughs> you just get that question all the time but yeah have you ever qualified for Boston I'm like eh. Technically. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so grandma's is just on my list and I'm excited about it. So let me ask you this. Why did you do the marathon in March? If you had grandma's in mind, I mean, it seems like you've just always run a bunch of marathons. Like mm-hmm. most people, especially at your level and like the pros, it's like one or two a year, maybe you just like crank them out one after another. So to you was oh yeah i'll do another one in march on the way like it's not you know i got plenty of time or what what was the mindset or what was the thinking there uh yeah so i think i think i tend to still maybe till runner's world because that was a cool thing for me of myself as a pretty pretty average (laughs) runner i just like doing it i like racing and that's something that's a little bit different and maybe my choices too I like winning I right I go run to Chicago to qualify for the trials I run 240 that's awesome what was I I don't know 37th place I go to the marathon project only 50 people allowed in top 50 in the U.S. that's awesome an elite race it was on TV I was like 43rd place I like to win the Woodlands is an eight-hour drive. I got a shot at it. You get to break that tape. That's fun. And that's the whole sort of mentality right now is um, I have way more fun training to run a race I'm trying to win than when I'm training to run a race where I'm trying to PR. Sometimes you get the best of both worlds and they both happen. But, you know, it's just more fun to win. So you're in it for the love of the game. I like the I like the strategy. I like the chess match. I I put myself at you know I liked um, in college. I was not a good runner. I always did good at championships. 
championships are chess matches. Nobody's going to the championship to PR. They go in there to win. It's a mind game. Everybody starts out slow, right? And then they play, feel each other out. Yeah, I like the chess match. Do you know who your competition is at Grandma's? No, but I am dying to know because it could be whoever. You know, Jordan has say around the half with the Woodlands. Who saw that coming? Right? That's weird. And Jordan has say was down at the Woodlands, wherever in the world, Texas, and ran the half marathon there because there isn't much better going on. She ran 114, in case you were wondering. So, pedestrian day for her, but. Yeah, it's a tempo. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I'm like, Trying to figure out people that are publicizing, like, thank God Des, Lizen, she, Des Linden's running Boston, right? So we know that. Um, my, my, I keep thinking, well, the other top three Americans have the Olympics, so they're out of the way. Actually, I know one who is, um, a few of the ZAP athletes are doing grandmas. Okay. Yeah, I've been, I've been trying to figure it out, so. Um, I don't remember her name off the top of my head. Trist, uh, anyways, all right. So after Woodlands, you come on Twitter and announce that you're gonna focus on speed work going mm-hmm. into grandma's. Mm-hmm. So, this is, and from what I can tell, you basically work out twice a week. You have like a Wednesday or midweek workout that's usually mm-hmm. your shorter stuff, and then a long run on the weekend that. It's more of a workout every other Saturday, but yeah. every weekend is long. Mm-hmm. Basically, and you actually posted a uh, like a screenshot of your the kind of schedule you had worked up for yourself, and it was mm-hmm. a bunch of like four hundreds, eight hundreds mile repeats. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a draft, but I've been continuously following it. Yeah, it was you. The you you stuck with the concept, mm-hmm. right? And you actually explained on Twitter. You said um, something like. You know, you needed a break from like the marathon grinding workouts, like the long stuff, and you thought it would help you. It would help marathon pace feel slower. Mm-hmm. So now that you're, you know, halfway or over halfway through this training segment, mm-hmm. how are you feeling about that decision? I like it. Has uh, it been? Yeah, has it been hard? Like, how has that gone for you? It's been different. Um, everything's hard when you're running 9,800 miles a week at fast paces. Um, it's been different. I- I've liked that. <laughs> um, I think it's good to mix things up. I had basically been doing this, I don't know, laziness or trusting this old habits. I did the same sort of 14 week plan for Chicago to qualify for the trials, to run the trials. And basically to go to the marathon project. Um, and I kind of think I mentioned at the marathon project. I mean, I mean, that was pretty much what I had on that day. And so I don't think I was going to just, I think I just needed to do something different. <laughs> uh, mentally, I needed a break. Those, those 15, 16 mile workouts are grinds. I, I think for a living. I don't want to have to get up and think or go for a run and think. So the 400 is something you can wrap your mind around. First, I always tell myself that, you know, the first curve is free anyway. 
it never hurts for the first curve. <laughs> so you're only you're really hurting for 50, 60 seconds. Um, so yeah, I think that's been nice. And then um, I still do long stuff on my every other Saturday or throw in those longer stuff. And uh, it feels like running slower. So it's nice. I like it. I'm happy with my decision. I'll continue on. I had a not great workout today, but uh, I knew it was coming. I actually, I haven't tweeted about it, but it was one of those, you, I'm a firm believer that you have to find the edge in training. Mm -hmm. You you mean that's how you push yourself? Um, I hit it today. The important thing is don't go over it. Mm -hmm. So did you have to cut it short? I had to slow down. Yeah. <laughs> I had to slow down to finish it and that happens. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, it's funny you mentioned that. I read uh the book by Ben Rosario and Scott Fobble Inside a Marathon. Mm-hmm. Are you familiar with that or know what it is? Know. Like I I think I've heard of it, but I don't think I've I've not read it. It was basically like um his build up for New York two thousand eighteen and they wrote it while he was training like every week was his training and they reflected on the week like in real time that's cool as it was happening want to read it then so scott in one of his like weekly summaries he had had a workout like that he had to i think bail on it or you know cut it short or something Mm -hmm. and he said i'm gonna butcher this or poorly paraphrase it Mm -hmm. but something along the lines of like it's a good thing like it's almost like he feels nervous if he doesn't have one of those workouts uh, before a marathon. It's like, that means, like you said, you found the edge or, you know, you, you really worked yourself hard enough or something like that. Mm -hmm. But basically he sees it a sign of good luck or something along those lines. He saw it as a positive thing. Like it's Mm -hmm. good to have one of those every cycle. But anyways, so do you want to share what the workout was? And I think one is it. Because if it's two, you didn't back off enough. If it's three, mm-hmm. you're setting yourself up for a disaster, right? You you find the edge, but yeah, that whole don't go over. My speed training, my note to say was also I'm slow, right? The Woodlands, if it wouldn't have counted, would have been my 27th marathon. I can run 26 miles. Now, that's not a problem. I don't need endurance. Can I do it fast? Right. Right. <laughs> so that was kind of the other thing. Um yeah, the other thing, right, and I'm happy here. The reason I'm, uh, I mean, I'm never happy about a bad workout. Bad workouts suck. Because um, then you mentally, the other thing is you have to mentally be ready for the edge. You can't have a work, a sh- shitty workout, and then be like, oh, I suck now. Mm-hmm. Right? You have to mentally be ready for it, for the bad workout. I actually told my training partner last week, my bad workout's coming. I can't guarantee it's not going to be today. So I might bail. I mean, actually it went great. And that was last Wednesday, Saturday, same thing. Uh, You know, I'm getting close. I can feel it. We had a great workout today. I told him I I mentally didn't feel like I could handle the workout I had on my schedule. I said, can we, can we change the location? We're going to change it up. He said, yeah. And then I physically couldn't handle it either. So we were there today. We were there. Um, but I'm a week and a half out from when I, my planned start of my taper. 
Um, so I think that the timing is fine. I'm fine with it. <laughs> and the one thing I wanted to say, you said something about advice on tapering. This is something of advice I really wanted to bring home for, for tapering. Tapering should not, is not recovery from training. Tapering is preparation for the race. If you're spinning your taper, recovering from how hard you're trained, you're not preparing yourself for the race. That's why I hit the edge today. I will actually, I won't taper, but I'm, I've found it. I don't need to push. I don't need to be like, I had a hard workout. I'm going to try again later. No, I had a hard workout. I better take it easy for a few days. I better back off. I better be ready to go into the taper to prepare for my race, not to go into the taper recovering from this next week and a half of training. That's a bad approach. I think people misunderstand that. <laughs> so what's the difference? Because, I mean, if you are tapering, I mean, by sure. definition, you're cutting back something. So what's the distinction there? Like, what does it look like for you to taper? For me, um, so I do, I like to call it a modified three-week taper um, because the first week of it is still, by anyone's definition, a lot of miles. Um, but it's usually 10 to 15 miles less a week than I've been doing. Um, but I've been at 100 miles a week, which is new for me. But what I what I mean from that is, right, that first, if you're just, tired if you're just done right and I'm still trying to run potentially 85 miles in the first week of my taper right 15 miles a week less then I'm not refreshing myself I'm, I'm recovering so that maybe I feel a little fresher for the next week actually before the marathon for for the woodlands and I hope I could say this like the the my last wrong one before I start my taper I said I love how my legs feel right now. They're tired, but not exhausted. And I like that. <laughs> uh, um, tapering to me is just getting yourself regrouped. It's the carbo load. It's the everything. It's the I want to feel good. It's It's the mental prep. But if it's recovering, if it's I'm so exhausted, I need a week to get over this and then I'm now I'm still kind of exercising and feel better everything about it should be about feeling better to me um and it, it's a fine line right I'm gonna be tired mm. I'm not gonna be great but I don't want it to be like I need this break right now if I don't have this break right now I'm gonna get injured I'm gonna burn out I'm gonna usually when I start the taper it's a little bit like oh but I was running so fast. I bet I could really nail that next workout. And I, that's where I like to be. So I do. So it sounds like. I say I do. So my first week of taper is still pretty big, pretty heavy volume. Um, but what I do is with the mileage is I um, at, set my alarm up 15 more minutes. So all I really do in that first week of taper is uh, 15 to 20 more minutes of sleep every day and two-ish less miles of running. Okay, so pretty mild difference there. But it sounds like another way to maybe say this is, or the way I'm hearing you is 
don't go into your taper overtrained. No, oh, yeah. Yeah, please don't. <laughs> the way I'm planning to do it, because um, I'm running grandma's too, and I've never done this before, so I have no idea what I'm doing. But um, I was going to do like the two weeks out. And the other thing is, like you said, if you're at 100 miles, you have much more room to drop oh, yeah. during those weeks. Yeah. So it's like if you're running like me, I've been in the 50s. I think I might have gotten the 60s one week. But so it's like I can't drop down to 10 miles. Like, what, do you, what, what am I going to do here? So mm. I, I'm planning on like two weeks out having basically a normal workout, maybe slightly less volume or something. And then the rest of the two weeks out is going to be mostly the same. Just, I think the workouts are going to be um, truncated, mm-hmm. especially that last week, mm-hmm. but basically the same type of stuff. Cause my, all of my filler days, I don't have that much room to drop, you know, mm-hmm. like the volume is going to have to come out of the workouts. Mm-hmm. Um, that's where a lot of my volume comes out of because even on my my speed days, like last week I did 800s, but I did a morning run for volume. So all I liked about that was I was running a, a 234, 800, so 508 pace um, and my 14th mile of the day. You know, so, so I like that sort of approach. Yeah, so I'll I'll cut it most on the volume. The thing was, again, going back to whole trying to recreate the perfect storm that was everything about the woodlands except for the DQ. I so I actually ran my first hundred mile week in a long time in in that build up to the woodlands. And I do I know for whatever reason I'm like anti runner I guess, but my run week is Saturday to Sunday. Y'all can just stop liking me now. If, or Saturday, yeah. I mean, sorry, Sunday to Saturday. Sunday to Saturday. That's my run week. I know runners don't like that. I don't know why. Sunday to Saturday is my run week. I ran 100 miles. That was four weeks out, and actually, <laughs> that Sunday, I'll admit this. I should know better. I'm a registered dietitian. Teach food. I'm certified food safety. I ate guacamole from the Super Bowl, right? It was almost March. (laughs) And so I woke up with god-awful food poisoning. Surprise, surprise. Um, So I'm less than three weeks out at this point, and I had just a nasty case of food poisoning. Took me off my arse, you know, for 48 hours. So in the three weeks... So 21 days to uh, the woodlands, I only did one workout and it was five times a mile. And so I'm like, well, that seemed to work out pretty well for me. (laughs) So I have decided that I'm going to do minus the eight two week old guacamole. I mean, was it not brown? How did course it turns brown but then you take that top layer off it's green on the inside let me guess you had the pit in there so no i didn't that's that's a myth that's a myth people say that that's a myth i i believe it's a myth i don't i don't buy it all right so you also had this half marathon okay yeah planned i don't really want to talk that you did i'm all probably more bitter about that (laughs) than i am about that dq at the woodlands but let's chat (laughs) well So here's the thing. You you set up this plan that you want to do the speed work going into grandma's to try to get faster, right? Mm-hmm. And I think in the same tweet, which, by the way, 
um you gotta follow mikhail on twitter this is yeah it's a lot of good content there you say so i'm gonna work on the speed also i oh you say i'm shooting for sub 230 at grandma's Mm -hmm. so i might need to improve on my uh half marathon pr Mm -hmm. which is like 116 116 high no it's 116 20 So you thought you'd throw in a half marathon in the middle of your marathon cycle and hopefully PR. And then, I mean, were you expecting to run faster than oh, yeah. you did? Or? Oh, yeah. I had every intention of running faster than I did. Like, how fast did you think you were going to run? I was, my, my plan was to, uh, for sure, go sub-115. But actually, I really, just for funsies, wanted to break the state record because it happened to be held by... Uh, Alphine, Tillmuk, so yeah. you know, because that's because she ran at Wichita State, and I thought that would be fun to be able to say I did that, which was in her, and it's like one fourteen thirty something, um, and everything I had been doing as far as training says, yeah, I'm capable of doing that pace, um, and the one thing that I just pushed out of my memory was that I. And you don't see it very often for this reason. I hate doing races during training sessions because they always turn out like that. You always think you're fast. But that's not the goal. That's not where the focus is. You've been running so many miles. And that was just my history repeating itself. And I should have known better thought it would be different this time i don't know why i think yeah you know it's funny you like move up a level like i'm you know i'm this runner and i get featured in runner's world no i'm still me i'm still this runner who can't run half marathons and build up to marathon training lesson learned again um it's really hard i think you might have commented on that yeah if you would just try to run a half to run a half i'd probably run pretty fast but anyway, you know, whatever. I, and I'm, I'm justifying it by telling myself, well, I've never ran 116 for, during practice. And we'll just call that a practice. It's why I ran 116.23. I happened to come through the half marathon of the Woodlands in 116.30, which was a PR as well. That is interesting. It, it is interesting because I felt really good and actually sped up after that. Well, other than the fact that you didn't run the time you were looking for, mm-hmm. I mean, I know you you weren't running as fast as you wanted, but mm-hmm. did the race feel good otherwise? Like, did you Mm-mm. go negative splits mm-hmm. or what was? Nope, felt was the race. I went out on pace right where I wanted to be for the first two miles. <laughs> two miles was how long I stayed on pace. And the rest was just struggle fest. Just yeah. struggle fest. It was... I don't want to knock this race. I'll just I'll just sell Prairie Fire. The, those the Kansas puts on great races. They like people to run fast there. They set up people to run fast there. Um, they're incredibly organized. Cyclist lead cyclist was awesome. <laughs> Everything about there there was a lot of turns for this half particular half marathon. They had to make a little bit of COVID adjustments. So it's such as life. So they had more turns than usual. Not my favorite. Um, but they put on great races. But no, I felt like garbage from mile two and knew it was going to be a long day. 
and it was and honestly I was more sore from that half marathon than I've been from any of the last three or four marathons I can I've ran it was just miserable it took days to get over it (laughs) so this is something uh I actually asked you about last time is like are there certain workouts or certain uh indicators that give you specific data that make you feel confident about where you're at for the marathon and that kind of thing. So if just looking at the numbers and that's your half marathon time, that doesn't, doesn't sound like I'm going to run sub two thirty, does it? No, no, no. But I mean, when you put it in context, mm-hmm. you're running back to back hundred mile weeks and then you just try to bust out a marathon, you know, it's like, of course you're not going to PR, but I guess what I'm trying to get at is even on that day, you thought you were going to run faster. Mm-hmm because you had indicators you know you had workouts you had done mm-hmm. so it's just this funny it's so easy to want to look at your training and make it a math problem mm-hmm. i want to run this time for a race so that means i'll run these times for these workouts mm-hmm. and x plus y equals z mm-hmm. and that's it but in reality it's so much more nebulous than that it, how do you balance the math the numbers of like this workout equals this performance mm-hmm. and the mystique or like the art to it, you know, I go through this. So this is something I'm working on with my training partner because he asks me this all the time. So he's younger than me. Uh, decent bit. He's 26. Maybe turn 27. Anyway, he, he basically was like blown away at my confidence going into Chicago back to try to qualify for the trials that I said I was ready and that I knew I was going to do it. I said, I I knew I was going to do it. I was like, I'm excited. The question right now is by how much. And he's like, how do you know that? Because we, you know, you need to run, gosh, I should know this 613, right? I think that was the call. I think that's the pace 613. We spend very little time at 613. In fact, like you're, you know, that's not where you're spending the bulk of your workouts. Um, and I think th- this is just data tracking for me. I-, I know what I did for sort of X workout to run this pace and sort of X workout to run this pace. Um, and I think, and that, those tend to hold pretty true. I mean, a lot of people swear by the Yasso 800s, right? That's going to pace predict. Um and I think there are those workouts that you know, and I'm just sort of a, I'm a meticulous. Um, I have every single run, every single run I've done since 2008 written on paper in the closet behind me. <laughs> um, so you can right have a bad day or a bad week even, but you kind of have those sort of points where you, you know. So the sort of fun thing was I was telling him, because so he ran a huge PR at Prairie Fire because he actually he's so this was great. He took about a month and said, I'm focusing on Prairie Fire. So we ran together very little. He wanted a PR at that race. He said, I feel strong after training with three through the woodlands. And he ran the woodlands as well. And he PR'd at the woodlands. And uh, he said, but I he said, I swear after Prairie Fire, my whole focus is going to be getting you a PR at Grandma. So that's nice. And he's been holding that true. He ran a, a 109. And won the whole thing, and because he, you know, actually tapered and did everything right. Um, so he's sort of, you know, learning about this whole this mystique of, 
you can be confident and still spend not a ton of time at you know race so I told him I was like look this is the thing Bryant when we the first time we did uh, sort of the long run alternating race pace recovery that's a pretty I think I found that workout on um NAZ elite like an example Ben Rosario it was like an example one of his athletes workouts and I was like oh that's cool I'll try that it's every other mile at race pace for 20 miles um so the first time we did that we ran 6:15 7:15 alternating the last time we did that we ran 5:45 6:45 right we're faster it's there <laughs> I have the one thing down on my note I don't know that you want to mention that I thought was worth saying because you asked me about do I ever do longer runs Mm-hmm. 22 to 30 yeah have you ever experimented with longer than that i do and honestly if you looked at that little graph that original draft towards grandma's there was 22 on there twice which 22 is not a ton longer but it is longer and that got nixed because i ended up deciding to do the half marathon which wasn't in the original plan um but actually, I do, and even more so now, and this is something that has stuck with me, uh, a friend of mine, when I was first training for a marathon, she said, it's really just time on your feet. Um, I think you, you have to spend that time on your feet. And now that I'm faster, so whenever I was first starting running, you know, tw- 20 miles regularly took me two and a half hours, two hours and 40 minutes. Um, and now, you know, 206, 207, it's pretty fast. But I need to be able to run for two hours and a half hours, even if I'm going to PR. I think that time on your feet thing is important. So I think getting in a run that's two and a half hours long is important. I'm a little bit remiss that it didn't happen more. It's actually happening this weekend. <laughs> Assuming I can recover from today, um, I won't do it if I don't feel good. But um, I think time on your feet is important. I think spending as much time as you're going to be racing is, is important. Feeling that is a good thing. I've not gone. I think my longest I've done is 23. So this weekend you're going to go for just time, two and a half hours? or I'll probably, I, I assume 22 miles is going to take me about that long. If not, I might add on a little cushion. Um, but I think, yeah, just, just that time on your feet to equate to distance. I think that that's important. And it's just and mentally important. The race isn't too, I mean, this, this is again what my, Bryant struggles with a lot. And he, him telling me. I mean, it really just like he would just constantly before the trying to qualify at Chicago, before the Olympic trials, before the marathon, it was all constantly like, how, how do you know you can do that for 26 miles? How do you know you can do that for 26 miles? And like, I've been doing this for a while, actually. Yeah. Um, I mean, it took the first marathon ever. It was like, I don't even know if I can go 26 whole miles. Right. You know? And now, now I'm pretty sure I can. But anything you can do to build confidence is good. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. Like, if you're training for a 5K, you can do five times 1K mm-hmm. workouts all day long. Mm-hmm. And you have, like, that, it you feels know, good, safe. Right? You have that security in your head. Like, oh, I did it on paper and I did it on the track with rest in between. So, 
but you can't really do that with a marathon. So it is kind of a leap of faith. It is a leap of faith for sure. But I guess like what you're saying, you've done so many of them that, Mm -hmm. yeah, you can't do 26 by a mile at your race pace. Nobody's going to do that, obviously. But you have these other historical Mm -hmm. reference points that you know roughly equate to different things. So you just have... How many did you say you've run? 23? No. If, I, if the Woodlands would have counted, it would have been 27. Way back a long time ago, I decided I wanted to do 40 sub three marathons before I turned 40. Not far um, off. So I still technically on pace for that. <laughs> okay. So now you're going to start having to think about how many sub 230 marathons you want to <laughs> run. Let's just get the first one first and we'll go from there. All right. Well, let's go from there. So you run sub 230 at Grandma's. What do you see after that? I think you got to catch a day at Grandma's. I think for me, I'm going to have to catch a day, right? You know, catch mm-hmm. a day. You got catch. You catch the tailwind, right? You catch the 50 degrees. You catch the maybe there's some other people in your pack. You got to catch a day. Mm-hmm. Um, sure. And then I feel good about it, right? I'm running with a bit of a tailwind and I got a couple people to run with. I, I actually feel really confident about it. My training says to me, my like my written training to me says I'm there. Uh, if I catch a day, <laughs> uh, it's going to be, you know, you're relying on a lot. could be a headwind, could be wet, could be no man's land. But anyway, um, I, I'm running Chicago. I'm excited about that. My, my, I think my mentality now or right now, right? Because times don't matter right now. We were talking about this. We're in sub 2.30. So what? That's nothing anymore. It's not getting me a shoe contract. It's not getting me nothing. I still got my day job, right? I run 2.28, 2.26. That's, that's, that's nothing anymore. That's small potatoes, right? You got to really throw down. So times right now, are, unless something big shifts for me or irrelevant, I'm going to have fun with it. I'm going to try to I'll just throw it out there. I want to try to win grandma's. That's why I'm going. I might not, but I'm going to give myself a shot at it. You go to Chicago. It's a year, right? It's nice. They got all those fall races compact and together. There can only be so many Americans. You know what I'm going to do at Chicago? Top 10 American. That's what I'm racing for. I don't care what that time is. I'm just going to, it's just racing now. It's just beating people. Yeah, that's something I remember in college, I read a like one of the old Arthur Lydiard original books. And uh, he was talking about like world records versus championships. And he's like, world records are meaningless. You know, the times they're always going to get beat. They're always going to be changing. They're always relative. But what matters is the competition, mm-hmm. you know, the championships, the winning. So speaking of, you know, winning versus going for mm-hmm. time, I mean, you maybe you might have one of those like uh Des Linden 2018 Boston situations yeah. where like the yep. weather was terrible. Nobody caught a day, you know, she was the toughest one that was able Grinder, to stick it yeah. out. I know I'm mad at myself for not being the Sarah sellers of that day <laughs> and just showing up and grabbing like the number two spot. Cause you just kept going. <laughs> but yeah, I think, yeah, I definitely think of myself as a grinder and a racer and sort of that mentally tough and I'm you know, where I'm at now. Right. The other thing that's what I keep telling myself is like, honestly, I don't even have to wear a watch in Chicago. Uh, I mean, I'm going there to race. Times are 
irrelevant. I mean, if I want to do time trial, right? And I'm not, this is, I, I, Des Linden is awesome, would do anything, you know, sign up to meet her, have a beer. Heck, I'd switch to bourbon if she would want to hang out for a drink. Um, but like, right? They, the, the, we're doing now these fun things where people are doing these time trials where they pick the day, they pick the place, they pick the weather. You know what's a good time to start for me? 8 a.m. Right, right. That's not what a race is. The race is this day, this time, this weather. You don't call it. <laughs> right. And so if I wanted to do a time trial, I'd stay at home. Yeah. Cool. Well, listen, I'm going to let you go, but keep us updated on Twitter. Make sure you uh, tell us what that workout was yeah, all yeah, about I today. I was working on what to say about it. It hurt. Anyways, um, yeah, so check out the Bob Sibahar. Yeah. See what you think about that. Maybe write a tweet thread about it. See okay. what. See if yeah, you have any, like, to... be interesting to see yeah, what you think. Okay, cool. Thanks for putting me on that. And, yeah, thanks for having me on again. I appreciate it. This is it's always fun to get to hash things out. Bryant's probably tired of listening to me. So that's what he said. He said his friend was like, oh, I really enjoyed that podcast. Did you listen to it? And he was like, uh, and I was like, you get it. I didn't <laughs> need to. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Thanks for sharing for the rest of us that aren't in on your uh, training long run conversations. We appreciate getting a, getting a feel for what's going on behind the scenes. So good luck. All right. Great. Thanks. All right. Take care. Bye.